Welcome to Biz Takeouts, Biz Community's bite-sized business news to go. I'm your host, Rutendo Nyamuda. Coming up on the Takeouts menu, founder of Story Room, Ellen Fishett. Corporate culture needs to be defined. I think as leaders of, of businesses and as, as, as company owners, you, you actually have to be very brutally honest with yourself. Some people should not be CEOs. Mm. Some people should not be managers. And not because they're not good people, but maybe um, communication is not their strength. It's time for Biz Takeouts. You are very influential and instrumental in the technology industry in South Africa. And one interesting thing is you recently started or you've started The Story Room, which is a company that focuses on company culture within companies in the technology industry. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about The Story Room. In the 14 years I've been operating in, in the technology sector, so a lot in, in the startup sector, first for government, um, then for the Nelson Mandela University, Silicon Cape, and, and now out on my own. The one thing I noticed uh, with the development of technology that is really good and, and the mushrooming of all these startups and, and the opportunity that innovation and technology offers is that human interaction decreased. So although um, there was uh, growth in terms of you know, skills and, and jobs and opportunities, the connection between people decreased and, and, and their communication uh, diminished. And with that, that brought along different problems. I realized that something that sort of like evened the playing field was our ability to connect as humans with each other. I'd like to find out how would you define corporate culture? Corporate culture would be the set of, of rules. Um, those could be spoken, written rules, um, but also the our terms of engagement, the way we communicate with each other and the way the company um, aspires to deliver, to deliver their product and service to their customers. And corporate culture defines whether, um, you know, there are open door policies with managers. It defines whether they are very hierarchical. It defines if um, there's more sort of a relaxed approach. Uh, these days you see a lot of arguments around uh, a flexible working space uh, or, or working remotely. Mm-hmm. And that requires different thinking and, and, and a different sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. But why is it important that companies define and have a corporate culture? And in addition to that, that they explain that or express that to their employees? Any decision that we make, whatever it is we choose to do our best in, whatever it is we spend, we choose to spend more than eight hours per day doing, speaks to our values. And if you don't define your values intrinsically, it means you also may not, for example, recruit the right people. Uh, because if you don't know what your culture is and, and, and what kind of people you want in them, How are you going to choose the right people? Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I see with people that are going into um, the working field or the world of work and even uh, people that already work for companies, uh, they feel lost. They feel excluded. Um, They feel like what they think or say doesn't matter. A couple of years ago, when I, when I was trying to get corporates to understand this, when I was consulting, everyone thought it was something very fluffy. It was a nice to have. It was, this, you know, companies used to tell me when I used to pitch up, but how important it was to expand your employee wellness because they essentially, your employees make your money for you. Mm-hmm. 
So they can make or break your business. And what you want them ultimately is to be on your side. And I think if I could make the comparison, for example, in families, in families we have disagreements, in relationships we have disagreements. But if our intent is to find a solution together and there is respect for our different thinking and we are willing to take the time to talk about our disagreements or talk about the things that we don't understand, um, what we often see is that uh, there's mutual intent to solve problems or to find solutions. So corporate culture needs to be defined. You need to, um, I think as leaders of, of businesses and as, as, as company owners, you, you actually have to be very brutally honest with yourself. Some people should not be CEOs. Mm. Some people should not be managers. And not because they're not good people, but maybe um, communication is not their strength. Maybe also dealing with people is, um, doesn't have their particular interest. And I think the more complex our lives become, um, as we're basically switched on 24 hours a day, the more difficult it is actually to deal with all these ambiguous sentiments or dynamics. Mm -hmm. You know, tech is clear. If you work with an engineer or a developer or even a designer, everything, there are rules for, for, for certain actions. There's, there's a thinking and philosophy behind it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing rational about emotions. Mm -hmm. And people are filled with emotions. Mm -hmm. You may have 20 years or 15 years experience in coding and you become the the company technology officer. You could be the, the best coder. It does not mean that you should be managing 15 or 20 or 30 or 100 developers because that has nothing to do with coding. Mm. It has everything to do with people and people are unpredictable. Wow. I'm interested to know, how do you go about doing the company strategy? What steps do you take? What areas do you consider mm -hmm. when you're building a company strategy for corporate culture? So the first thing, I mean, just very practically, obviously that, that, that culture will differ per company. We will look at uh, what their strategy is. So every company has a strategy in terms of their growth or if they want to move to new markets or if they want to build new technology products. And um, I sit with the, with the owners of, of, of these strategy portfolios. So I believe it's important that when you're building a corporate culture, that it is, this is not a discussion you have with HR because people think that human resources department is responsible for the people things. Um, but they're only one unit within the entire community or within the t entire uh, company. So if you're going to go about influencing the way people feel at work, the way they execute, the way um, their sense of accountability or, or their productivity, you have to have all the different role players, all of the different functions of those entities at the table because they need to agree. Um, it's like, um, you know, maybe being a, a headmistress at school, the principal at school, and you are the only one that is aware of the rules and why the school exists and why you have created these rules and what you aim to achieve at your school. It's not going to work if the rest of your staff don't know. And it's certainly not going to work if um, the learners or the students don't know. Mm -hmm. And also one of the things I look at is when, when the strategy is created, who was involved in that process? Because 
at the various levels you have in a company, and it works both ways. You know, often um, managers take a, a lot of a, a slack and uh, or flack, I should say, and and then the CEOs because you know they get paid the big bucks and people are resentful because they don't seem to stress. And often the sentiment is, "I'm doing your job mm. for you." What um, because there's such little engagement, what uh, the executors don't always understand is that that CEO is responsible for your salary. And that CEO has to make sure or that sales manager has to make sure that targets are met. Because if we don't bring in money, we cannot pay salaries. Mm. It is as simple as that. You've just said they're executors mm-hmm. and they're people who kind of create the strategy for it. And sometimes there's that miscommunication yes. or um, where, where employees say, I'm doing your job. Yes. But you're the executor at the end of the day. At different levels, that's also something that companies don't explain. Yes. is what everyone is doing at different levels. Because yes. I think once you break that down, you get the sense of, oh, they're the planners. These are the people who do the strategy. They send it on to the next group of people. They send it on to another group of people who execute. And then, yes, you have your interns and everything else. But if you understand how the network and how the corporate works together, as you're saying, as a family, as a unit, you're so much stronger than everyone operating in silos yes. thinking that all you have to do is your job yes. but not understanding the interconnectivity yes, between correct. the positions yeah you you tender you actually put that very well you you've really artic- articulated that well the sense of um, for me it boils down to understanding where you what what your piece is in the puzzle mm. and how and why you fit in mm. and so yes that could be the ceo that maybe you know if it's Whatever the puzzle that is probably the, the the thinking that we have is that that's the top piece of the puzzle, and I may be a uh, general assistant or I could be the receptionist. So that means you know I'm answering the phones, I'm taking messages, I'm I'm having to uh, do all sorts of administrative and support clients and the employees and the executive management. If you don't understand why, as far as I'm concerned, the general assistant and the receptionist are the two most important people in a company because A, they are, um, the receptionist is the interface. Mm-hmm. So that's the first person um, a potential client experiences when they walk into your building and that will define how they experience and perceive. That's their first impression that they get. The second part is your general assistant. People tend to think that that person is not important and unfortunately often and general assistants also feel they'll say to you I'm just here to clean and I say well if you if we did not have you our place would be in a mess and no one wants to work in a messy environment and no one wants to buy products in a dirty or unkept environment so essentially if you don't have your ducks in a row whereby it's a pleasure to walk into the company and the receptionist understands that her attitude and her behavior determines, practically almost determines whether you decide you want to continue this conversation or not. I don't know how many times, you know, you've been to an office or a bank and, and, and you just feel like someone is not, it's not very friendly or they seem to feel like, they seem to have object that you were there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get that feeling. Yeah. And, and that really, it influences our moods as to how we continue our business with that, that company or organization. Not only do I think in today's world, I think if you look at the level of graduates um, that choose not to go into jobs, 
um, for the simple reason that they feel um, that they want to have more uh, to say. They want to understand what impact this company has on, on other matters than, than, than share, pure shareholding and, and uh, profit for shareholders. And I sound a bit like of an anarchist when I say this, but it is really my experience. The world is moving away from mass manufacturing and universal thinking. People are already conscious of the fact, um, not only that they are unique, but that they wish to operate in environments where that is recognized. I love what you said about the graduates coming in and seeking more than just a job and yes. a paycheck. Because I was recently in a conversation with a friend who said she loves her job. She was just like, Pretendo, I absolutely love my job. And I hadn't heard someone say that for the longest time. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, there's always something. It's yes. either your boss or your colleagues or the environment. There is always something someone complains about. And she said, you know, the thing about the company she works for is they look after her holistically. Yes. There is a growth plan for her within the company. They are very big on wellness. So they're a company with a, I think it's a kawaii downstairs. She gets her smoothies. They've got a gym within the office. And fine, yes, they have the funds to do all of this and create this environment. But I think even smaller companies, even startups, yes. what are you doing to appreciate your staff? Yes. You spoke about those leave days. Do you occasionally say to them, our culture here is that you can work from home if you want to. If you want, if you are sick, this is another thing. I know so many people who are afraid to take sick leave or who take sick leave but still work from home because they are afraid of what their boss is going to say if they don't turn in the report. Yes. There is this fear culture that I think we are on the bridge that we kind of need to break. We, we definitely need to break that because if you look at just how the world is functioning in general, I mean, there's, there's a lot of... There are a lot of institutions and institutionalized thinking that is that is falling, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, and and I think that is that has hugely to do with inequalities in the world. And and I sound like I'm preaching, but it's not only a. It's not. I think when you build culture, um, that it is not only for when you are big. When you are spending an average of at least eight hours a day somewhere. Um, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to try and drive against the will of the people. And I understand that it's more um, that, that we need to have rules and there needs to be a certain framework of, in which we operate. That makes absolute sense. Otherwise, you get chaos. But I think that you could engage your staff in having that conversation mm -hmm. because my experience is, is that once people understand why they are where they are, once they understand that I am seen as a unique individual person and I am heard and I am recognized and it is important for my employer that I am well. And if, they, if we can build cultures where there's reciprocity within organizations and not only transactional from a perspective of you sit in this room for eight hours and then I will pay you, but as you say, I want you to thrive, I want you to grow within this environment, um, it will be most companies find then that they don't have to ask their staff to work over time mm -hmm. because that is a natural um, give back when you feel that this company takes care of me. 
um, I'm a happy person. This is a good environment to be in. And it's, and it's really in small things. I actually just want to come back to the fact with, so for the companies who can't afford the gyms and, and, and free lunches for their staff, you'd be amazed how many people don't greet their employees. It always boggles my mind. I always wonder how you expect to get the best out of someone, yet you walk into the office in the morning and you don't greet them. You've spoken about strategy at length, and sometimes companies can have the strategy. They've got these long documents, yes. welcome packs, this is who we are, this is what we do, it's the vision, mission, the purpose. You've got everything to a T. But then there's bridging the gap between strategy and implementation. What steps does one take to bridge that gap? So, um, Rutenda, I would say the first step that you need to uh, take is to make your strategy clear and to share that with everyone that is involved. It always boggles my mind that you have senior management that go off on a strategy session, you know, which the employees uh, complain about as well. They're off there in their secret worlds, thinking of plans. And it's usually negative if they, you know, if they don't have a good relationship or if, if senior executive managers very far off from their staff, then there is this sort of like mistrust or maybe paranoid uh, when that's not the case because usually the executive staff is just trying to, to keep the shareholders happy and to ensure that there's more sales and, and, and therefore that people, you know, jobs can be retained, but you don't know that if you don't speak to each other. Um, and executive staff may also not know why they are mistrusted. And they're human. They don't like feeling mistrusted. It's not nice being in an environment where people look at you and you know you're not wanted. So executives actually don't feel any different than, than the employees that are enforced with these rules. When I say, um, so how do you implement strategy? The first thing you do is you share it. I like to make the analogy that strategy is, um, is your plan. It's... Um, it's your language that you speak, it's the dream that you have, and then you go into implementation and execution to get to that, that vision, that plan. Would you mind giving us some examples of companies that are getting the concept of corporate culture correct? Rutendo, where I see companies getting it right is where um, company strategy is not only an, an HR issue, it's where the entire management team takes responsibility at different levels and from different perspectives for the well-being of their employees. And so Ellen, as a final question, for companies or corporates, individuals, people with startups who are listening to this podcast, what advice do you have for them today? Very basic steps that startups or companies can take um, to to understand and to build on their corporate culture would actually, the first step is to ask your people if they are happy and what they are happy about. If they understand their purpose and if they understand where they are going, that's a tricky exercise to do because you risk hearing a lot of negative things about, about your, your company or the way you lead and that's painful. So it's only when you understand the complexity of the wound that you can actually um, heal it. So the most simplest way of building a corporate culture would be to start with a conversation, a conversation about where you are and about where you want to be and to make sure that everyone that does not look or sound or does that what you do is sitting at that table to participate in that conversation. And that's a wrap on today's show. Biz Takeouts. Take it when you like it, where you like it, how you like it.